return to Premiership action ultimately proved a rude awakening for Sale on Saturday, as they were both humbled and humiliated, 67 points to 17 by Northampton at Franklin's Gardens. With the Saints running in nine tries to inflict one of the worst defeats suffered by the Sharks in recent memory, should we chalk the result down to simply a bad day at the office, or is it symptomatic of something greater? My name is Lewis, welcome back to the Shark Tank, and joining me to discuss that thought and more is Alex. Alex, how are you? Um, still recovering, mate, from um, watching all those tries go in against us. Uh, but other than that, fine. Yeah, I think it was one of those games that you never know how to explain it, do you? And um, sixty-seven points is horrendous, but it is what it is, and there's only really one way to react to it, and that's to bounce back next week. Uh, as cliche as that sounds, but God, it was a bit embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, we were talking off air just before we came on, and obviously I, I went down to Franco's Gardens uh, on Saturday. And in a way, in a very strange way, it was almost better to see us humbled to to the extent that, that we were on, on Saturday than, than go down and, and sort of get beaten by 10 or 15 points and never really get close to Northampton and ultimately suffer uh, a pretty damning loss. Because you can look at this, and in many ways, we will go into this in terms of why Sale lost the game on Saturday, but you can look at it and say, to an extent, this is just a bad day at the office. And, and it does mean that for the players and the staff and, and the fans, to an extent, we can certainly say this is not how Sale are going to play every single week. This is not that reflective of, of where the Sharks are in their season. Um, and we can say it was simply one of those days and I know that is disappointing because a professional rugby team shouldn't have those sort of days but as we are seeing throughout the Premiership it can it can happen to anyone and I think Alex the, the, the game that, that keeps coming to mind when I sort of reflect back on this Northampton game is that Gloucester game where Sale beat uh, Gloucester at home 57 points to 10 and you sort of look at that game and, and say it's objective that Sale were not 47 points better than Gloucester on the day. They were significantly better. And there was also a little bit of good fortune mixed up, mixed in there as well. Do you agree that that sort of sentiment is how we should be looking at, at this Northampton result? A, a case of Northampton being comprehensively better on the day, but also Sale being uh, unlucky to have shipped 50, uh, to have lost by 57 points? I think it was just a case of that Gloucester game was we got a couple of early tries, interceptions, really got their heads down and then their heads were down for the rest of the game and in that way it's very similar. Um, and yeah, it's, it is very representative of that and Gloucester were a team at the time sort of trying to find their feet under a bit of a new new era. Um, we're probably a bit further in our development than Gloucester were at that point, which is probably the concerning aspect. Um, I think the thing for me is it's not sort of symptomatic of a team that's going to go down and get relegated because we've seen this season that we're better. It does kill off all that hope we had after this Gloucester and Saracens game, which is a massive shame because that was a real feel-good wave at the end of the Saracens game and it's really been brought down to earth. And I think the key thing that you take away from it is that top four teams don't suffer those kind of defeats um, in the season. And it's more the mental aspect of going to a team like that with you. what you can't deny is the strongest available squad we've had. We would have two players missing in Ashton and Curry, really, are the only sort of, you know, the only names that you would bring in. Um, and we'd, our heads have just gone completely. 
And I think that's the, the concerning thing for me is that if we're talking about a team that wants to challenge for titles and challenge for cups, this isn't the kind of result that you would expect of that kind of team. And it's one of those where it's always going to be brought back up against you. Yeah, you might be able to do it one game, two games, but over a season, if you have these results, it's going to knock confidence, knock momentum, knock points difference. And, you know, I just think something has to change somewhere to stop defeats becoming really heavy defeats because, you know, your likes of Saracens next to don't do this. And that's the frustration for me, I think, is that this team can be top four, but it's results like this and sort of moments where mentally we go that that concern me, I think. I don't know whether you agree, you were there and you probably sort of saw how it impacted the players across the game. Yeah, I mean, I think that the most pressing issue from this game is is mental resilience because there isn't necessarily going to be many instances over the course of a season where you lose by 35, 40 or 50 points. But there will be times in a season where you chip a couple of soft tries to begin the game where you're immediately on the back foot, you can't enact your game plan. And then I think it, it becomes a broader question of, of how players react to that. And, and on Saturday, what you saw very visibly was heads did drop, understandably so, given that they were 30 points. Uh, they were, they'd conceded 30 points by the 30-minute mark. Um, and it is natural that, that players will lose, lack a bit of resolve and, and be disappointed and, and not be able to stick to uh, a strategy or a game plan. But I think what, what was concerning was that sale were comfortably bettered on the day by Northampton. I've got to give so much credit to Northampton, who were absolutely fantastic. But at the same time, you did get a sense that this game could have been a loss for sale by 15 points or 20 points. Disappointing, especially in the context of the table going into the weekend and how well we know this team can be. But it didn't necessarily have to be a 50-point loss. And I think that's the concerning thing. The good thing is, those sort of results are usually aberrations throughout the course of a season. Good teams do still suffer heavy defeats every so often. Obviously, the scale might be slightly different, but it's all about how the team bounces back next next week. And and what we saw was Sale struggle to mentally resolve the, the sort of punishment that they took they took in the opening minutes against Northampton, and that translated into a heavy defeat. The important thing is making sure that that doesn't carry over next week to Wasps. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it was a unique set of circumstances against Northampton that you know they. They played out of their skin and we have got some very fundamental issues with especially our defence, I think, and especially having Sam James at 15. I think if there's one sort of thing, yes, we look at this result as an aberration, but if there's one thing we can learn from this result and that sort of we have to say we need to improve that on a sort of higher level it's that we don't have a 15 apart from Chris Ashton, who isn't even a 15. And we've said it before, but as I think you said um, when we were chatting about the game on Saturday, Sam James looked absolutely isolated at 15. Of course he did, because he was against their back three, who played out of their skin, who have got fast feet, and he's not a 15. Defence isn't his strongest point anyway, but when you're isolated like that, it's bordering on unfair on him as a player because of sort of you've got their back three who are pacey and massive in certain cases and then Kobus Reinach just running off them which is what we see Faf do that sort of trailing that nine line from, from the base in front of the ball initially and then picking it up and running through us and I think that's my only major worry you know 
generally our defence has been decent this season and you have to be happy with that but that 15 issue is going to be a sticking point until we get someone in or sign a 15 yeah, but before we go too deep into the, the exact reasons why Sale lost so heavily on, on Saturday, let's, let's go to some three-word reviews. Uh, unsurprisingly, uh, there was a lot of engagement with our tweet earlier this morning asking for our listeners' three-word reviews of Saturday's game. Uh, Andrew O'Rourke, could have been more. Alex Everington, humiliating and embarrassing. Martin Whiteley, not professional standard. Joe Cliff, remember last year. And obviously Sale were able to pick up a bonus point win uh, away at Franklin's Gardens. KCB, crock of shit. Dan Pot, not televised. Phew. Kevin Hill, defensive system exposed. Mike Walker, I left early. Alex Malarkey, bad, worse, atrocious. Tim Pinder, rabbits in headlights. Carmen Bash, keep going boys. Tom Lee, relegation a possibility. And Richard Lilly, still on holiday. Alex, there's obviously some very impassioned responses to this game. And one of the things that we have seen a lot of is people sort of blaming uh, a potential lack of match preparation, the weak side that played against Northampton uh, in the last uh, first-team game before uh, this clash against Northampton. But I want to look at why uh, Sale sort of suffered such a heavy defeat on Saturday. And one of the things that I want to discuss with you, and you've alluded to already, is Sale's defensive system. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this first. Why do you think Sale's defensive system struggled so much against Northampton uh, on Saturday before I sort of share my observations from being in the ground of the game? Well, having um, watched only sort of highlights and uh, I did watch the first half um, on a on my iPhone on Bet365, but I was at the Sale FC game, so it was a bit of watching a bit of both and trying to also drink some beer so um, I think what what struck me was how easily Northampton cut apart our defence and we were sort of rushing up in the 13 channel uh, they were going wide their back three were past us and then that was it what I would probably put that down to is if you look at our back line and how it's changed it's a it feels like a small change and one that shouldn't really affect us but you bring in McGinty back in at 10 for his first game back for the club not played in the defensive system for three months um, and to be fair, the last time AJ played in our defensive system, it was in a much worse state than it ended up being in that Saracens and Gloucester game because um, I think we were still finding our feet a bit. I, I'm not saying that's AJ's fault. I think he's a good defensive organiser. I just think being in that system is difficult. Rohan then comes back in at 12. Again, not played in the defensive system for over three months. James O'Connor moves to 13 when he's been traditionally defending at 12. Um, and... That, I think those three, centres and fly-off, is the reason, because that's where they cut us apart. They didn't cut us apart in the forwards. I mean, we were falling off tackles, but I think that was more later in the game. I think the early part of the game was that our sort of backline defensive system just completely fell apart. They ran through us like hot knife through butter, and then that contributed to the heads going down, etc., etc. I mean, I don't know whether that tallies with your thoughts, and you'll be able to say more from what you saw at the game but I feel like that is probably a contributing factor if nothing else that, that is a really good place to start because I think it was obvious there was a, uh, an evident amount of rust from McGinty uh, playing at 10 uh, from Van Rensburg playing at 12 and also O'Connor moving across to 13 I did find it interesting that he elected to move O'Connor to 13 rather than keeping O'Connor at 12 where he's been playing some very good rugby for sale this season and move Van Rensburg uh, move Van Rensburg to 13 instead but 
that was the way the system uh, lined up on Saturday. I think that speaks to a, a greater issue though, which is how sales defensive system is set up. And I keep, uh, when I talk to people, I keep using this phrase pincer. And what I'm referring to in this system is, is the way that the sale defensive line plays, where as soon as the ball from the opposing team goes back uh, back out to the 12 or 13 channel, especially from, say, a pop pass or a, or a switch play, is that the winger on the relevant wing jumps up and either tries to lay a, a massive hit on the player or force a rushed pass that could lead to a knock-on or a forward pass or obviously as well an interception. And this is something that said it has worked very, very well for sale uh, at previous uh, at previous times. The problem on Saturday was that it was very clear that Northampton had the system figured out. And they were running very simple switch plays to get the ball out wide. With O'Connor and Van Rensburg at 12 and 13, there wasn't maybe not necessarily the amount of pressure that you'd hope to have on the ball carrier in the 13 channel. And the problem was you'd then have Denny Solomon or Byron McGregor rushing up as per the sales system, and Saints would just loft a ball straight over the head, and they'd either have one or two players available to take it on the wing, and all of a sudden you have a two or a three on one. And that is where Sam James at 15 was completely exploited, because as soon as you put him in that position where he's got to, he's got to defend a two on one, that was when the likes of George Furbank or Tom Collins or Naya Voro or, uh, or any or Cobus Rhinoch or any of the other Saints players were able to get a step on James because they had the two on one available and then either force, either force him to make the tackle and set the, set the uh, man over free or they were able to just run past him. And that's exactly what you saw with, let me just make sure I get this one right because there's so many to go through. Uh, that, was, that was the case with Saints' the second try where a Nairoro offload takes out three of Sale's players because Solomona and O'Connor are playing too narrow. And then that sets up a two-on-one between Piers Francis and Cobus Reinach. And because Francis is able to take the ball straight to James, who admittedly doesn't necessarily do the best job of showing uh, Francis inside where De Klerk, in theory, can make the cover tackle, it just means that Francis is able to get the ball off to Reinach, who's able to outpace James. And I'm not saying that's different with, with Chris Ashton or whoever else at 15, but that's a great example of how uh, Saints were able uh, to just immediately um, capitalise on a two-on-one situation. And more broadly speaking were able um, to just completely get around sales defence, which was far too aggressive uh, and, and too narrow because they were adhering to this pincer style of play. Yeah, and I think Naira Voro is a big part of that because if you go aggressive on him and he gets the offload away, which he did a lot of times, there's loads of space left behind and then they've got the pace to exploit it. And I think his threat was something we dealt with really well in the Northampton game at home and something we dealt with absolutely dreadfully in this game. And it's just... This is the thing with Sale. I think there's a bit of tactical naivety on occasion, especially when we go away, to sort of not not take your lessons from other teams and when we've played them before. And I think the away mentality, maybe of sort of, right, come on, we've, we're against the grain here, let's just buckle down and fight. There still needs to be a tactic to going away. And we just, I'm sure that our coaching team have tactics but they don't seem to they don't seem to be present on the field. So there is something somewhere, either the tactics aren't being communicated properly or they're not being implemented properly by the team 
and there's something disconnecting there between I have no doubt that you know we're looking at teams and going this is how we beat them but we're not implementing it on the field so we've got to work out where that issue is but that is an internal thing we'll never know uh, but hopefully it can be resolved before next week and it's lost and that's, that's why it's so hard to identify as a problem because that leads me on to the second point I wanted to make about how Sale lined up and, and the strategy they implemented against Saints. The problem was right from the off, Sale played a, an extremely aggressive, you could you could call it hyper aggressive defensive uh, and, and strategy against Northampton. The problem was this wasn't necessarily the strategy that they should be playing if they were so, solely playing the team in front of them. Because what you would happen as part of this pincer defensive system, which is an extremely aggressive way of playing, and that can work. The problem is Northampton were very easily able to get round it two or three times. The other problem we had was as we were doing adopting a very aggressive defensive system, we were playing very aggressive from kickoffs, and that was one of the biggest things that that cost Sale on Saturday. Immediately from the from the opening um, from Sale's opening restart uh, throughout the entire game, Sale routinely would kick the ball short the problem was Nayavoro or uh, Ratuni Yarawa the Saints uh, number 4 won absolutely everything in the air they were fantastic and that second try that I alluded to before begins because Sale loft a very short kick up they're already 10 points to 3 down at this point they play a very short kick off Nayavara is able to collect it Solomona rushes up O'Connor's too narrow Nayavara gets the offload off and it's an easy try and straight from uh, uh, conceding a try Sale concede another one and it was the same thing all game and the problem with, with Sale was that the, it was almost as if they'd adopted this idea that we have nothing to play for we can just be as aggressive as we can and see if we can force Northampton into mistakes and try and pick something up the problem is it wasn't a case where there's nothing to play for. It was an extremely important premiership game against a mid-table rival for the top six. And after the first two instances where Sale were completely cut apart by Northampton's admittedly fantastic play, what we should have seen from either the coaching staff or the on-field decision makers, so I'm singling out AJ McGinty, but it might be John Ross as well, is Sale, from the restart, kick well into the Saints 22 and force them to either have some phase play or kick it straight back to them. What Sale didn't do... Uh, having conceded so significantly to begin the game was kill the game a little bit slow Saints momentum down keep kicking the ball into touch make the momentum from both teams continue to pause and try and build it into the game a different way What instead what you had was Sale continuing to loft up short high kicks even though the Saints players were, were systematically winning everything in the air and you also found that because Sale were going so aggressive from the kickoff, there was then spaces available uh, for, for Saints to exploit as once they'd regained the ball. And it just showed a, a, a tactical naivety or a desire to play a system, devil may care, or regardless of how the team opposite them were playing, that really cost Sale. And the, the pincer system is, is a part of that. The short kickoffs, the, the aggressive phase play, uh, and how Sale were defended is, is, is a massive, massive part of that. And I think you can look at those things and say Sale got it completely wrong against Northampton, who were able to exploit it perfectly, but then they didn't adapt their game. And that's what's, that is what's most concerning from my perspective in terms of how we read this game as, as having an impact on the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's that, that game intelligence and recognising it. And the, But the message has got to go on as well from from the coaching staff and I think we probably 
been critical in the past of Sale being too slow to change things. And I think that's almost what happened because we went down and then we just kept making making life so easy for Northampton. You know, if I if you know, repeat, we could have had some you know championship national one players in that Northampton team, and they still would have cut us to ribbons because we just made basic errors and opened the hole for them to run through and if anyone's got a bit of pace they're going to tear you apart and you know that is the frustrating thing I think you're right that not only it's that point about conceding a try and they're conceding straight from the kickoff. not like you know Northampton got the ball down into a rook and played it through the phases and then it was literally I don't there was a phase between them taking the kickoff and them scoring the try and that is just amateur yeah no Rora catches it takes out a few defenders offloads it out of there and they're gone and that is just really poor that's the frustrating thing and I think you are right that there needs to it's a mental thing isn't it it's not a skill the players are skilled very very skilled um, it is understanding that when you just conceded and you're away from home and you're against a team on a dry track you're you know running through you get it down into their 22 get your defensive line organised don't kick it to their biggest winger and against your probably weakest defensive player in Denis Solomona and you know it's just naivety and it is frustrating and I think the problem is once you're in that position your errors begin to compound themselves because I've, I've actually made a note of each try and sort of tried to pick out the reasons why Sale struggled and, and you look at the fifth try which is one that's conceded straight from the uh, the opening kickoff in the second half Sale at this point are down um, by uh, over 30 points, I believe, or there or thereabouts. And there is a, a, there is a need for Sale to kick on and, and, and try and get back into the game. The problem is they kick it short from the kickoff again, contrary to what you said, Alex, about just kicking it deep and, and letting Saints uh, return the ball. They kick it, kick it short, they lose the ball... Tuala has a fantastic break where he takes down two and a half, two players and makes sort of a half break but makes 10 yards at the same time. Saints go through some phase play, they end up having an overlap uh, and they, they score. And it was as simple as that. And it was just, it was this inability or disinterest in playing percentages and possession uh, and territory that really seemed to cost sale. And, and obviously once you go down by 14, 21 points, every single you miss every single mistake you make especially when your opponent is playing as well as Saints, Saints did um, it's just going to make it harder and harder to get back and at the end of the day it was not surprising that Saints ran out 50 point winners yeah and uh, I mean we, we will end up going over the same things again and again but th- that's the thing isn't it it's it's something that has to be fixed by the players I think this is and Diamond goes on about um, letting the players make decisions and it is something that has to be fixed by the players if we want to be a top four challenging team um, because if we don't if the players don't fix it then it's going to get to a stage in a year's time or whatever and it's just going to be the same thing again we're going to get ourselves into a sticky situation or a t- against a team that's on a bit of form and it's going to happen again so it's a chance to learn from it and you look at where Gloucester are now compared to when they lost against us there's hope but it's something that we've seen for a long time with Sale this away form being absolutely dreadful and it is what will stop us competing at the top level Um, so it has to be a big concern for a lot of people I think 
Yeah, but I think at the same time, what's most encouraging is that these errors are undeniably things that are easily remedied to an extent. Because again, looking at this list of tries we conceded, the third try comes because there's just no gap control around the base of a rock. Tom Bristow and Josh Beaumont are stood within a few centimetres of each other. No one is, uh, no one's covering the, the rock after the, the backs have spread out. Uh, and Saints just pick a fantastic line and go straight through the middle. And it's the same with the sixth try when Nayavara scores because he just goes straight through the rock because O'Connor had started to cheat and move away uh, to defend uh, the Saints players lining up on the outside. And there's no one there to guard the rock. And he just goes straight through it. All it takes is the coaching staff or the players or whoever to put an onus on gap control uh, and little things like this throughout the week in training and it should be something that's fixed the problem is does that fix come at the cost of something else and is there going to be another issue that we, we have to discuss sort of ad nauseum next week uh, after after the Wasps game yeah exactly it's, it's a self-fulfilling well, it, there's always going to be issues it's what I mean by that it's not a self-fulfilling prophecy so much um, but there's always going to be another issue to have a look at. But if you can cut those down to the simple issues, then that is, you know, once you make it easy fixes or issues that don't cost you games or issues that don't cost you 67 points, then you're happier. So it there will always be a fix, but I think it's, it's as I say, the leaders on the field is something that we need to look at because... I, I think quite a lot of people went, went a bit missing on Saturday yeah. and understandably so but you can't if if we're talking about this ambition it's good that we're saying this and you're saying yeah we want to have ambition and go top four and but we then we have to hold ourselves to those standards now we can't be saying yeah we'll be top four because bringing in a, a world class prop isn't going to solve this you know we can't sign players to solve this that is one of the fundamental things we have to understand I think yeah and I think like the last thing I'll say is before we move on to some stats is that the, the, the frustrating thing is that it, to an extent this game was still salvageable Saints were playing out of the skin so, so were pretty poor coming out of the blocks uh, I think especially uh, as the game got on and, and heads dropped a little bit Saints did get a little bit fortunate there's a couple of tries where the ball just bounces their way and at that point they're, they're getting up to 50, 60, 65 points and you're saying well this is clearly just not sales day um, there, there was one where uh, it's a pass from Alex Mitchell uh, one of the Saints forward replacements just bats at it in the air the ball lands um, on the ground right in front of the post bounces straight up to I think it was George Furbank's hands and he just goes over and you know the cell players have, have all just stopped playing because you know they, they uh, well assumed that it was going to be a knock on and it's the same with um, the, the ninth try the, 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 the killer where the Sharks get turned over in the Saints 22 Saints put it through some hands and then they kick it long and if you go back and watch that clip the way the ball bounces is so agonisingly frustrating for someone like Aaron Reid who does a fantastic job of covering back and the ball actually goes just past his left arm as he's trying to recover it instead it goes straight into the hands um, of I believe it was Alex Mitchell and he's then able to offload it to Tom Collins and get the try and, and you think the frustrating thing is obviously these things happen when the game's dead and gone but at the same time, Sale, even at 20 points to 3 down or 17 points to 3 down or whatever, the game still was reasonably salvageable. And the difference between being a top 4 side, a top 6 side and being ninth to 10th is clawing your way back into the game uh, through hell or high water and 
getting a bit losing bonus point or two losing bonus points out of it, which is something we have been able to do in previous seasons. But this game didn't need to be a 50-point loss. It could have still been a very comfortable win for Saints, but I think it is disappointing that so I didn't get anything more out of it. Do the stats, yeah. back, do the stats back that up. Um, I think the stats are just an absolute um, show this week. And yes, there's a four-letter word that goes before that, but um, I don't want to say... I mean, you, you go... I don't even know where to start, but nine tries for Northampton, two for sale. Eight conversions for Northampton, one for sale. Um, they're the basics, and going into why... Um, the, the word, let's start with defence because I, I want to find some positives in these and defence is never going to be a positive. So for sale, in defence, we made 156 tackles and missed 48 for 76% completion, um, which is dreadful, to be fair. And it's a dreadful. big sample size as well. That's the yeah. worrying thing. When you look at tackle completion, if you're, missing 10 tack- if you're making 10 tackles and missing two, that's always going to skew your numbers because your sample size is so small. But that is, you know, 200 tackles is a big sample size. Yeah, exactly. And so I have to shout out to one person in the starting 15 who didn't miss a tackle, John O'Ross, made 19, missed not. Um, now, we, we, we always caveat this with, you know, the Opta missed tackle stats do often include tackles that are sort of, you know, last ditch and you wouldn't be expected to make. Um, but with that caveat in place, going on the big numbers and missed tackles. Rohan missed six, Denny missed five, Sam James missed five, um, and then he down into threes for sort of uh, Harrison, Wilgriff, John, Fafty Clerk, and then into twos, etc. I'm not going to go through them all. Um, I think that's that's a massive issue. And then you look at the sort of flip side of that. Northampton made 788 metres in the game and just absolutely ran through us we made 300 metres which isn't a bad return for a game but Northampton made 788 in terms of their big metre makers uh, it was the back three were massive George Burbank with 14 carries 10 defenders beaten Tuala with 6 defenders beaten Naira Bora with 11 defenders beaten 12 carries and they're making average gains of sort of you know six metres, five metres, 15 metres for Rory Hutchinson at 13. You then go to sort of sales back three and you're looking at De Klerk with two, um, McGinty with two, Dan Rensburg with two, O'Connor with two. Uh, a small shout out to Byron McGregor in attack who probably rescued our metres made with I think the 77 metres made off seven carries. Um, and then also Rohan with 41 off 14 carries. Uh, and John O'Ross with 31 or 13 carries. So, but these are individual numbers in sort of a very. It was an open game. You would expect her to make some meters. I think the issue comes back to that defence and looking at tackles made, and that completion rate is something that we really have to look at. Yeah, I mean, and that was actually something that I thought was especially disheartening for sale because especially in the first half when the Sharks were able to maintain possession and put it through the hands they were doing a very very good job of stretching the Northampton defence and actually making a lot of metres and, and there's a couple of times there's a, a you know, wonderful inside ball move um, reminiscent of the try Denis Solomon scored against um, Saracens that sale ran halfway through the first half and, and Barry McGuigan uh, gets clear and is about to make the 2-on-1 
uh, pass to uh, I can't remember who it was it might be De Klerk uh, where he's tackled from behind by Reinach and it's just it's just bad fortune that the tackle is made just as McGuigan's extended his arm out to make the pass if that tackle is made half a second earlier McGuigan retains possession half a second later the ball's through and, and it's an easy try Rohan Jansi van Rensburg butchered a fantastic opportunity where the, the, the sale had a had a three on one Opportunity and, and he elected to carry the ball uh, outside of the uh, Saints 15 and ultimately he was brought to ground and couldn't get the offload off. Again, it's just that you know, if the pass gets made at the right time, there's, there's another try. So Settle actually didn't play that bad in the first half when they had the ball. The problem was they couldn't keep hold of the ball. Uh, the Saints were able to pressure them um, into giving up the ball after only a few phases of play. But when the back line was all set and ready to go, Settle could have, could have easily put... Uh, a lot more points on the board than they did but I, I want to circle back actually to that to, to talking about the breakdown and pressure because that's an area I thought that Northampton completely dominated uh, on Saturday and I'd be interested to hear if there's any stats potentially on the impact that players like Lewis Ludlam and Tom Wood made Yeah well to look at sort of Rooks overall first and this is a stat that I saw that I was genuinely shocked by in the first half um, Northampton had 46 Rooks on attack uh, lost two of them, but won 44. In that same half, Sale had 18 and lost three of them, which is just baffling, because that is usually a number that has sort of no impact on my analysis of the stats because it's fairly even and there's nothing to pick between. But 46 to 18, or to contrast that, Rooks won 44 to 15 in the first half. I think it just shows that we had nothing, nothing going in the first half. Um, to contrast that to the second half, it then became 54 rocks for Northampton and 52 for Sale. Uh, again, we lost three in that second half. Northampton didn't lose any. So I suppose that sort of supports your um, your point that Northampton probably had us uh, at the breakdown. I'm going to pull up the Northampton stats and just have a look at turnovers. Um, so total defensive turnovers, one for Northampton, uh, nine, and Tom Wood won two of those. Franz Van Vank, I want to say. The, he won two of them as well, anyway. Uh, Reese Marshall replaced Hooker, won two of those. Um, just compare that to Sale. We won six defensive turnovers, one apiece for John Curry, Dickler, uh, and a couple of others in the backs. Um, so I think, but I think that Rook's run point is probably the, the more key one there, that we couldn't get ball off them at rook time and I think when we have Tom Curry in the team that's something that definitely changes for us that you know we're able to disrupt opposition rooks and you've seen Curry doing that for England but also what Curry's been doing for England is winning attacking rooks and to lose six of our own rooks is sort of a, a fairly poor statistic I think um we didn't get hammered at penalty on penalties for that in the whole game. We didn't get hammered too much, but it's the it's the not being able to protect your own ball that is concerning, and that's probably contributed to the sort of fact that we just couldn't keep it. And you know, for once, maybe we didn't actually drop too many balls. Um, when you look at turnovers, um, we had five drop balls, which contributed to turnovers. Total seventeen turned over. But six were lost in a rough or more. And usually that's very different figures because sale are dropping balls all the time, but not losing the breakdown. And I think that's probably part of it as well, 
what's that idea that rook time we got beat and in many other in many other areas of the game but we we weren't doing things as well as we usually do and defensively we've been good this season and at the breakdown we've been good and we weren't on Saturday yeah unfortunately it's one of those weeks where no matter how you try and spin the stats every result comes out looking pretty negative um, for sale uh, and as we sort of move on from this game unfortunately it was a pretty bad weekend all around for sale uh, the result means that Northampton actually overtook the Sharks in the Gallagher Premiership standings Saints are now in 7th with 31 points uh, and Sale have dropped down to 8th on 29 points so just for a quick indicator of how the rest of the table is looking Saint, uh, Sale are 8th by virtue of having more wins and a better points difference than Leicester who are also on 29 points uh, but who are in ninth place those two teams are only 4 points ahead of uh, Bristol in 10th uh, on 25 however Sale are still 12 points clear of Newcastle in the solitary relegation place so it's not necessarily a result that's going to drop you back into the relegation fight but it was certainly a case of opportunity lost in the push for top 6 and, and maybe even top 4 especially given the fact that both Gloucester and Harlequins won at the weekend so Sale are now actually 7 points off the top 4 uh, given that Gloucester sit there quite comfortably on 36 with Harlequins third on 38 and now Wasps on 34 Bath on 33 and obviously Saints uh, above Sale in that push for the top 6 so very much a case of, of opportunity lost it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of ground lost as well um, to a, a top 6 and maybe even a top 4 uh, rival and unfortunately, it doesn't get any better uh, next week uh, as Sale face a, quite a daunting trip uh, to their nemesis is home Wasps. Now, James unfortunately can't be with us today. This is the final week without him. He's uh, officially back in the country, uh, but unfortunately he wasn't able to join us on the podcast this week. But as with last week, he sent through a few key points uh, regarding players and coaches and uh, recent trends uh, for us to look out for. So Alex, is there anything that James flagged that you want to highlight uh, as we begin to try and put the the, the terrible memory of Northampton away behind us and look forward uh, to... um, uh, an exciting, if daunting, clash with Wasps at the Rico. Yeah, so James has sent over his preview for this week. Um, starting with Wasps have won the last two Premiership games after a pretty terrible run in the league. And it is very inconvenient for Sale that our away game at Wasps has come uh, just as they return to form. Uh, they've replaced us in fifth, which is a bit of a sort of sting in our tail giving it to Wasps especially you know we hate them and now they've taken our place in the league um, they've got a lot of players coming back and I do think that's a big thing for Wasps as I said at the end of last season their recruitment over the summer and probably the summer before that has been shoddy they're letting players go without replacing them adequately um, Hughes, LaRue, Simpson all coming back in um, and I think the massive one that James picked out rightly is Gopeth coming back at 12 um, and I completely agree with him there he is someone who's been really missed for uh, for Wasps and he will bring not only goal kicking but also that playmaker role at 12 and when you look at how our defence got stretched last week it is concerning I think um, that is obviously offset by the fact that Sokoanga who was coming at 10 um, hasn't really 
done the business yet in the Premiership. Um, having watched him in Super Rugby as someone who half follows the Highlanders, um, the things he can do to defences are frightening, but he's just not really been able to replicate it yet. And I think that's part because the nature of the Highlanders playing is always um, he had Aaron Smith inside him, who's one of the world's best scrum halves, and he doesn't add in anymore. Um, but I think he still has a lot more to give the English game. Uh, as James pointed out, Billy Searle was actually being preferred at 10, but he suffered a quite serious ankle injury uh, against... Uh, who did they play last week? Come uh, Brist- on, Bristol away. Bristol, thank you. I knew it, I just couldn't remember <laughs> it. Um, so he will be out of the game, so it does mean Soporanga will start. And as James says, can we get Soporanga and disrupt him? Um, I, th- I think so. I think we have a real opportunity to... If we can push on soccer and then we can cut off that channel to Gopher. But I don't think we'll be able to. Um, I think if maybe we had Tom Curry and Ben Curry coming off the backs and going at them, then we could. But uh, without Tom, um, with a pretty heavy sort of... Josh Beaumont isn't that fast off at eight, assuming he starts again. Uh, Ross will be coming off at blindside. I, I, I'm not sure um, if we'll be able to, we'll be able to disrupt him. Um other players James has picked out, uh, Ashley Johnson, Nizam Carr, carried off the back row. I think we said this before the home game, and we didn't really shut that down. Nizam Carr getting the offloads away in the home game, cost us. Uh, Josh Bassett, um, at 11, scored the first try against us last time. Very underrated, and I completely agree with James on that point. Uh, we need to shut him down. We struggle against certain wingers. Tim Bisser at Harlequins typically used to stand out wide, wait for the ball, and then run in tons of tries Bassett does the same he's strong he's got a lot of pace and we need to be able to shut him down can we I don't think so I think he's facing up against Solomona he will be able to pull Denny in a few directions and just I, I think if if you want to bet on Saturday Josh Bassett to score any time <laughs> or Josh Bassett to score first try even is probably a good goer um, I'll leave the big question up to you that James sort of ended on are we going to turn up? Well, I think that is the million-dollar question in a lot of sense because you look at this Wasps team, and as talented as it is, they are missing the likes of Elliot Daly, uh, Nathan Hughes, Dan Robson, um, and a number of other Joe Launchbury, and other of, uh, significant players, many of whom you would genuinely fear going up against. And it is so unfortunate that Sale are playing Wasp at a time where Wasp would finally come back into a bit of form after having a, a terrible run in sort of the middle part of the season. Was it 10 games plus uh, without a win in all competitions? So the fact that Sale aren't necessarily going to, to the Rico whilst they're at, uh, uh, at quite a low ebb is very disappointing and, and sort of typical really with how things usually work out for Sale. That said... I have a very hard time believing that we will see anything close to the performance that we saw against Northampton this weekend. I think the fact that O'Connor, Van Rensburg and McGinty will hopefully have another week of match fitness under the belt uh, and a little bit more familiarity playing with each other. Uh, again, the, they hope that Sales sort of coaching and discipline and strategy is being refined and worked on this week so we are not as tactically naive when we go up against Wasps who can do very similar things to what Northampton did to us in terms of pressuring the breakdown and spinning the ball out wide and really playing an, a, a, 
an effective counter-attacking game is very important. And you'd like to think as well that Sale aren't necessarily going to suffer from the, from the absence of Tom Curry and Chris Ashton, which they certainly did last week uh, against Northampton. You'd hope that with another week under the belts and, and sort of understanding just how important those players are in terms of cover defence uh, and breakdown pressure and many other things, that hopefully Sale will be in a position where they can really build um, on the performance, uh, what little there is to build on from against Saints and, and sort of put together some... Uh, put together a performance uh, that is more fitting of a, of a top six club who who are genuinely challenge who are genuinely still challenging for the, for that position in Europe against a team that they, who they'll be going neck and neck with and I think that's that has to be the key thing um, in terms of uh, personnel changes that I made for the trip to us obviously Ross Harrison unfortunately went down with injury uh, midway through the first half. Uh, against Northampton there's no update yet on his injury status but obviously if he's not available that is a huge blow and it might mean uh, a debut in the Premiership for Valerie Morozov who will, in theory would come off the bench to support uh, Tom Bristow but unfortunately outside of that there's not really that many changes to make there is a, a potential that we might see someone like Byron McGuigan move to 15 uh, and Aaron Reid come onto the bench there's also very uh, come onto uh, come onto the wing in his place there's also a very small chance that someone like Aaron Reid might get the chance to play at 15 um, not no disrespect to Sam James, who we everyone can agree is, is an absolutely wonderful player, but Wasps will be looking at what the Saints' backline was able to do to James uh, on Saturday and say that is exactly the, the way that we need to play to carve them open. Sell got managed to get away with playing James at 15 when they played away at Bath earlier in the season because the conditions were so poor and there wasn't those opportunities. If the ground is firm and the, uh, and the conditions good on Saturday, Sell will really, really struggle against a, a Wasp team that, even without their international players, is still absolutely filled with top-class attacking talent. So Sell has to be very, very careful with how they... Uh, approach this game because the last thing uh, the Sharks need is, is a repeat of Northampton. I think if we see a similar performance uh, as to what we saw last week, it's beginning to look like the, the top six is getting further and further away as we seed ground to, to two other teams who are in the mix with us. Yeah, absolutely. And once the top six gets far away, that means you're close to relegation because of the nature of the league this season. So it is a massively important game. Uh, completely agree with you I think there's got to be some changes that, um, just to make up of the back line not necessarily the personnel I think McGuigan coming across to 15 would be a good move and I think perhaps considering putting O'Connor at 12 um, even if you just swapped O'Connor and Van Rensburg that wouldn't be the end of the world um, but there does need to be some change because we can't go out with the same team uh, that will be or if we do it's a massive show of faith in a system that didn't work last time. Yeah, absolutely. And if you do keep the personnel the same, you'd hope that, if nothing else, the, the, the manner in which Sale go after uh, this Wasp team away from home does change because, unfortunately, I think if we try and play that high-progressive system again, uh, we are likely to be to be caught out and, and, and suffer another loss. So you'd like to see a little bit of evolution uh, in terms of Sale's game planning, especially... Um, given that we've not necessarily seen that in play um, over the last couple of weeks. So that's, uh, if they, if nothing else, you would hope that the players would be able to sort of get themselves up for, for a potential um, chance to redeem themselves after what I think we can all agree was a pretty poor weekend last season, uh, last week even. Alex, before we uh, say goodbye for another week, uh, what is your score prediction for Saturday's game? Uh, I am unfortunately saying we're getting nothing out of this game but a better result than last week I'm going Wasp 32 Sale 22 what about you mate? 
I think it's unfortunately going to be something similar. I, I, I think the lack of viable options at 50 means that as soon as that defensive line is breached, we are in a lot of trouble. Um, I'd love to see Aaron Reed get a run out, but I don't necessarily know whether or not he is physically ready to sort of face the likes of Wandy Ongo or someone like Ashley Johnson should they break through the line. Um, and I think whilst we will see an improved performance, given the two teams' uh, current form, I think Wasp should run out um, with uh, with a bonus point win. So I'm going to say 35-21 to Wasps. Perfect. Well, that's another week of the, us dissecting a sale loss out of the way. Hopefully there won't be too many of the, more of those for the rest of the season. Um, I guess I haven't got anything else to say other than thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, thank you to Opta for the stats, as always. Um very revealing this week not necessarily an enjoyable read but nevertheless an interesting one um, really appreciate everyone getting involved it's always nice when we get absolutely battered because everyone really likes to tweet us and tell us how bad we were um, I think we concur this week but hopefully on to next week and a better result against Wasps so that's all from me Lewis I'll hand it over to you for your final message yeah just just ev- uh, same as the above um I think it's sometimes it's kind of nice to see what a resilient fan base we have when we have a, res- a week like this and the fact that everyone uh, is is extra engaged with sort of sale activity. Everyone likes to uh, twist the knife a little bit, um, but fingers crossed we won't have to do the same thing uh, next week. The only other thing for me, remember, uh, don't be like me. Uh, Fantasy Six Nations is back this week uh, with the next round of fixtures. Don't forget to name your team. Make sure um, you don't necessarily just opt for the most hipster player you can think of, which is why uh, uh, Damian Panot and Antoine Dupont are coming out of my team this week. Uh, unless I hear anything different on Twitter about them potentially starting. Uh, but yeah, keep, keep playing, keep getting involved, and we are in the process of sorting out some prizes for that as well, which we will announce in due course. So thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for sticking with us, even though I'm sure you don't really want to be thinking about sale this week. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thanks to everyone who said hello. Whilst we're down in Northampton, um, and we'll talk to you guys hopefully after a big win against Wasps next week. <laughs>